Since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, abortion advocates have been lying about the consequences abortion bans have on women's health. I'll have an expert on the show to set the record straight. Additionally, I will address former Vice President Mike Pence's comments on fertility medicine and the political fallout of his new tell-all book. Finally, I'll give you my take on the new pro-life film, The Procedure. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work by going to createdequal.org. You can click on the donate link on the right side of the homepage there and support our work reaching out to college and high school uh, students all across America and also uh, just showing uh, the, the depictions of abortion, the real victims on video and static billboards across America. Well, today we're going to be talking about the effects of abortion bans in the aftermath of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Now we're looking at almost six months since that uh, decision, the Dobbs decision was handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court that returned the abortion issue back to the state legislatures. And right out of the block, of course, the pro-abortion industry came out and started lying about what abortion bans would do. And so we're going to deal with a few of those myths today on the program uh, and how we can uh, refute them. And so my guest today is Dr. Christina Francis, and she is a board-certified OBGYN and is currently the CEO-elect, soon to be the CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Uh, Christina, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, So, you know, we've heard a lot about this. In fact, in Michigan, when I was up there attempting to Mm -hmm. defeat the Michigan uh, pro-abortion amendment to legalize abortion up to the very moment of birth, the main talking point from the other side, the abortion lobby, was if you ban abortion or they said if this does if this uh, uh, constitutional amendment does not pass women will die <laughs> that was their basic uh, main message uh, to the Michigan voters and of course they were talking about miscarriage they were talking mm-hmm. about women having illegal abortions all of this kind of stuff so basically what I wanted to do because one of the talking points we're hearing one of the main ones from the abortion lobby is that outlawing abortion or severely uh, restricting it like they've done here in Ohio, like they've done doing in Indiana and other places around the country will mm-hmm. lead to women dying. How would you respond to that? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on Mark. It's good to be on with you again. And um, you're right. I mean, I, you know, I think the abortion industry knows and they knew the second that the Dobbs decision came out or even when it was leaked, I think, is when we started hearing this this false narrative. They know right. that they can't defend their true position. Right. They know that right. there is no defense for abortion on demand up until the moment of birth. That doesn't even have the support of the vast majority of the American people. You know, I think we as pro-lifers still do have some work to do on changing hearts and minds about abortion throughout pregnancy. Um, You know, there's still a lot of Americans who support abortion in the first trimester, 
But every poll that's been done shows that Americans do not support, overwhelmingly do not support abortion in the second and third trimester, which is what the abortion industry is pushing for. But they know they can't defend that position. And so what they have to do is they have to go to false narratives or the hard cases. Um, and that mm. and that false narrative largely has been set up that abortion has to be legal in order for women to be treated for miscarriage, in order for women to be right. treated for ectopic pregnancy or other life-threatening issues in pregnancy. As yeah, you said, and, I'm not, and I definitely want to get to that one on the miscarriage because that's what they're, they're, they're fear mongering. They're trying to scare women into believing that they can't, if they have a miscarriage, they won't be able to get care. Uh, let's talk about that one because I yeah. think that's been one of the main ones they've been using that hospital, uh, personnel, especially in emergency rooms. If a woman's mm -hmm. having a miscarriage, goes to an emergency room to get care, she will get refused. They, should, they won't provide it. Uh, even Joe Biden said that this is happening all across the country. And I'm like, OK, where's the evidence? Right. Right. Well, you're right. You know, and I've heard the stories, too. And and I don't know whether they're true or not. If they are true, it's not the fault of the law. There's been some that, some stories that have come out of Texas, for instance. Mm -hmm. The Texas law in no way prevents women from being treated for miscarriage. So if a woman was not treated appropriately for a miscarriage, that is the fault of wrong interpretation of the law. It's mm -hmm. in it, its medical malpractice. It's not the fault of the right. law. And I think the confusion comes from one, the medical diagnosis term for a miscarriage is spontaneous abortion. In medical right. terms, abortion means preg a pregnancy ending in any way prior to 20 weeks. And I, I do think that that terminology needs to be changed. But laws, when they're restricting abortion, are not restricting that they're not restricting that medical diagnosis. They're restricting elective abortions that have the sole intent of ending the life of the fetal human being. Of course, in a miscarriage, that that baby, that preborn child has already passed away. And so right. laws are not banning particular medications. They're not banning particular surgical procedures like a DNC. They're banning using DNCs to end the life of a fetal human being. And that's not what's happening in miscarriage treatment. Right. And, uh, you know, I can understand and I think you can, too. This is a big change. Roe v. Wade's overturned. Let's say, uh, you know, the, the state bans abortion. Uh, we we got to give some leeway, some some room for medical people to kind of figure out, OK, how does this work? And so there might actually be situations where they really don't know what to do. So I, I want to give some of them the benefit of the doubt. Right. I think right. that's probably the case. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, the vast majority of practicing physicians right now have never practiced outside the framework of Roe. And so I think right. a lot of them probably do misunderstand, you know, how they've been able to treat miscarriages and things like that. But, you know, I think that there's a couple things and, and you're right, we should give some leeway because this is confusing for a lot of people. But it falls really upon the hospital system and their lawyer to accurately mm -hmm. inform their physicians of what they mm -hmm. can and can't do. But also mm -hmm. all we have to do is look at hospital systems like Catholic hospital systems that have never performed elective abortions. And yet they've uh, always been able to treat miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, things like that. That's a really, really good point. And, you know, now as time goes on and the sky isn't falling, right? Rose right. overturned. We are restricting abortion. We're banning it in some states. If this were happening at, at the level to which the pro-abortion industry was saying it was, 
we would be hearing reports, more reports, right, right of this happening. Right. So right. to me, it's just another lie. It's another myth of the abortion lobby to scare women into believing that abortion, if we outlaw abortion, it's going to affect treatment for miscarriage. Therefore, I guess you have to vote against any restrictions on abortion. Right. right? I mean, exactly. that's what they're trying to get people to do. Exactly. And if I could just make one more point on that, you know, I think the other harm of this false narrative is that one, it makes women who've had miscarriages in the past feel like they've had an abortion, which is not the case at all. And so, you know, I think a lot of women are really struggling with guilt over that um, because they're being told that that was an abortion when it wasn't. But the other danger is that it prevents women potentially from seeking medical care when they need to in a timely fashion if they're worried they may not be able to receive you know, the treatment that they need. So it really is harmful, um, you know, on sort of a macro level, but also a micro level for individual patients. Yeah. And I think it needs to be made clear that abortion kills a live child and a miscarriage. Right. The baby is already dead. And most physicians are going to realize the difference. I mean, they just are. I mean, and they're going to treat uh, the, the woman appropriately. Uh, I want to switch gears a bit. Oh, before we do, ectopic pregnancy. That was also, uh, you know, that's brought up a lot. This will affect women to be able to get care if they were to have an ectopic pregnancy. First of all, explain what an ectopic pregnancy is. Yes, absolutely. So an ectopic pregnancy is just basically where the embryo has implanted somewhere outside of the uterine cavity. So somewhere where it's not supposed to be. The most common location would be in the fallopian tube. And the problem with these is that they can't continue to grow as a normal, uh, a normal pregnancy would. And so it can actually cause life-threatening hemorrhage for the mother. This has never been questioned as to whether a pro-life physician could treat an ectopic pregnancy. This is a situation where you have to intervene to save the life of the mother. And treatment right. of ectopic pregnancy, not only is it not coded medically as an abortion, it has its own diagnosis code. So it's never been considered to be an abortion, but also it's not prevented by any state law currently on the books or being proposed that would restrict abortion. And explain the process of treating a woman. Now you're an OBGYN or treating a woman who might have an ectopic pregnancy. A life-threatening one. Right, right. So, um, you know, if we look at the most common, which would be the, the ectopic pregnancy that occurs in the tube, there's two different ways you can treat that. One would be with a surgery uh, where mm -hmm. you either remove a portion of the tube or some people will open the tube and, and remove the pregnancy and leave the tube behind. Um, or they can be treated with medication, a medication called methotrexate. Um, to, to um, you know, resolve that, resolve the pregnancy. So there's two different options, neither of which are used in the, in elective abortion. So it, it really is a completely false um, equivalence that they're making between abortion and, and the treatment of ectopic pregnancy. Right. And the difference is intent, right? We are not purposely going in to destroy the child, intentionally dismembering the child. We right. are saving the mother by provi providing care for the mother, right? I mean, isn't that the big difference? Absolutely. And, you know, intent, I think a lot of people think that we're just equivocating over words, you know, how important right. is intent really? But yeah. <laughs> obviously it's extremely important when you're talking about yeah. life or death for a human being, mm -hmm. which that preborn child is. 
But also, you know, if you take the example of I do cesarean sections as part of a normal part of my job, that involves taking a scalpel and making an incision in a woman's abdomen. If I'm doing that with the intent of helping her and helping her baby, it's perfectly appropriate. If I'm doing it with the intent of harming her or killing her or ending her life, then obviously it's not appropriate. So intent plays into everything that we do as physicians. And um, and, and this situation is no different. My guest is Christina Francis, and she is the CEO-elect of the American Association for Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And you can go to their webs- website at aplog.org. That's A-A-P-L-O-G.org to find out more. Uh, Christina, in the time we have remaining, I want to talk about the abortion pill. It's getting a lot of press lately. We just read, I think it was on Friday, the I think it was the CDC came out with the new abortion numbers. And 54% of all abortions now are being committed using the abortion pill method. Uh, Would you explain how that works, first of all, and the concerns we have, the concerns we have for the safety of women? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the abortion pill is actually two different medications that are given to women. The first is one called mifepristone or RU486. And what that does is it blocks the action of a crucial uh, hormone in early pregnancy called progesterone. And what that leads to then is essentially cutting off of the flow of nutrients uh, that that early preborn child needs to continue to develop. And so that leads uh, oftentimes to the death of the child just from that first medication. And then 24 to 48 hours later, the woman takes a second medication called mesoprostol, which makes her uterus contract and expel the the baby and and other pregnancy tissues. So that, in a nutshell, is how it works. Um, You know, it was approved originally up to seven weeks of pregnancy. And then, unfortunately, in 2016, the FDA, ignoring um, the safety concerns that actually APLOG had, had expressed in a citizen's petition that they took 14 years to respond to, um, mm. they, they ignored the concerns, uh, the safety concerns, and they expanded the use of the medication up to 10 weeks. And at the same time, stopped collecting any adverse events related to use of medication other than death. So they said, we don't care if women are hemorrhaging. We don't care if women are getting infected, if they're having to be hospitalized, needing emergency surgery. We only care if they die. And we know that documented, we have 24 deaths documented in the U.S., of mothers um, related to this medication, to these pills. And of course, you know, hundreds of thousands um, of deaths of preborn children related to the use of these pills. And finally, let's get to the abortion reversal process. Now, of course, the other side say this is pseudoscience. It's not science. We need to follow the science. There's no evidence that once a woman takes the abortion pill that it actually can be reversed that the process can be reversed and they can change their mind. What's the truth about it? Well, the truth is, if you look at basic science, if you look at the studies in animals, and if you look at the the 3,500 plus babies we have alive because of abortion pill reversal, is that it can be reversed after the first pill is taken. And it's done with progesterone, with a natural hormone, basically flooding the woman's system with progesterone to counteract the effects of the mifepristone. And if people want to find out more about that, I I know that you can show them the APR website, but also on our website, if you go to abortion pill reversal, there's about a 20 minute video explaining exactly how it works and and debunking the myths um, connected with abortion pill reversal. 
Okay, so that do you have a video on your website at aplog.org, right? That yes, shows absolutely. that process. Okay, friends, well, you can go to aplog.org. That's A-A-P-L-O-G.org to find out more about Christina's organization and the abortion reversal process, if you like. Christina, thanks for being on the program and keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. So, friends, I need you to take action today. Your radio activist is asking you to donate to our effort to deploy a mobile ultrasound unit on borders of abortion-free states, like the state of Michigan, where women will be crossing the borders from states like Ohio and Indiana and other abortion-free states to have abortions. We are currently attempting to outfit the interior of a Ford Transit, which we have purchased, and that will cost us about $30,000 to complete. So you can support this effort to deploy these mobile ultrasound units, or what I like to call border states rescue units on these border states by going to createdequal.org and click on the donate link on the right side of the page. Now I want to get to this, uh, the comments of Mike Pence, former vice president of the United States, who was on Deface the Nation last week. And Mike Pence is making the rounds with his new book, his new tell-all book on his time as vice president as uh, in the White House. Uh, and uh, he talks about in vitro fertilization, fertility treatments, and the like. So go ahead and play this clip. This, again, Mike Pence on Face the Nation. I was interested to read that you and your wife, Karen, um, underwent IVF therapy. Um, and so many times and there are which is a lot to go through um, and there are people who are concerned that if you start with abortion access restrictions that it will also lead to restrictions on IVF treatment mm. um, if you believe life begins at conception you can make that argument should it be protected as a right but I fully support uh, fertility treatments and I think they deserve the protection of the law they gave us well, friends, this almost went completely unnoticed by the pro-life community, and that is Mike Pence is wrong. This is not a pro-life position to be in support of IVF. Uh, Mike, I don't know if he doesn't realize this or he's just taking this position because it's uh, acceptable, I guess, as a pro-life person to support IVF. But the Bible is clear in uh, Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, children are a blessing of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is our reward. Uh, children are not commodities to be bought and sold and traded. They are the image bearers of God. And um, life, that is our children, are not objects, but they're subjects. And the pro-life position has always been that IVF is immoral because it takes what God has created, that is the, the procreative process between a husband and wife, and has farmed it out to medical people to be replicated, so to speak, in a Petri dish. This is not the plan of God. And that children are derived by sexual 
intimacy. Now, let me say this, of course. We understand the pain and the anguish that women and men, couples, uh, have when they are infertile. We understand that. But that does not justify using IVF to try to solve that. In other words, we have no right to a child. As human beings, there is no right to a child. Uh, children are a gift to God, and that comes through sexual intimacy. And uh, and, 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 make, and IVF makes sex unnecessary. And so this violates God's design. And Mike Pence is wrong on this. And uh, he says he's done it multiple times. Uh, one of the problems, of course, with IVF, beyond the fact that it's taking what God reserved for marriage and farming that out to medical people and making children a commodity, is that it involves abortion quite often. In other words, they call it selective reduction. That is that they typically will implant more uh, embryos into a woman's womb in hopes that only a few survive. And if more survive, they go in and selectively reduce the number of embryos, which is abortion. They remove them, they kill them, and that's wrong. So Mike Pence is wrong on that. I also want to say this, and it's really disappointing to see Mike Pence, who I like, I think most people do, uh, pro-life people do. Uh, he has been a champion for the pro-life cause for decades. But Mike Pence has written his tell-all book, like so many other Trump supporters and people in his cabinet and in his orbit have come out with these books, trashing the president, and that's what Mike Pence has done. And that makes me very, uh, it disappoints me because I was hoping Mike Pence would, would not do that, uh, especially at this time when President Trump has, has, has announced that he's going to be running for president for a second term. I don't know how this helps things. And now Mike Pence is dumped on President Trump. And a lot of people think Mike Pence is above the fray, you know, that he, you know, keeps it uh, civil, which is true. But uh, I don't appreciate the fact that he has written this book and dumped on the former president, who was the most pro-life president in American history. President Trump put three justices on the U.S. Supreme Court that ended the regime of Roe versus Wade. For that reason alone, we should respect the president. Now, I know Mike Pence disagreed with President Trump on the election. I know that he didn't feel he had the right to not certify the election as vice president. I get that. That's a difference of opinion. I respect that. But then to turn around and, and trash the president like he's done in this book, I think is unhelpful. I think it only helps the other side. And the fact that Mike Pence made the circuit on all the left-wing Marxist media, the mainstream media, the fake news media, tells you everything. And I'm afraid that he has now taken uh, the, you know, is now on the other side and is now going to be a never-Trumper. And that really disappoints me. So that's my view on Mike Pence. Now, finally, I want to get to this video that was released by the organization Choice for Two, and it's called The Procedure. And this video basically tells a story, uh, an animated story of an anonymous 
ultrasound technician who quit, quit his job after participating in an abortion. And so if you would, I'm going to play just the clip of the animation of the abortion procedure, and then I'll make comments on the other side. Go ahead and play that clip. In horror, I watched as he inserted a forceps clamp and grabbed her tiny leg. She writhed around in pain, trying to break free, but there was nowhere for her to go. Then the doctor pulled hard until her leg ripped away from her body. She recoiled and violently twisted around in pain and curled herself into a tight ball. But it was no use. The clamp grabbed her arm and she struggled to pull away. Her movements weakened now because she was dying. He pulled her arm off of her body. My vision blurred. My eyes filled with tears. The child again curled herself into a tight ball, but again, the device grabbed her other leg and it was ripped from her body. By now, her heartbeat had slowed significantly, but she was still alive. The clamp grabbed her last limb and ripped it off. She wiggled and squirmed around, but then her heart finally stopped beating. So, friends, that's just the graphic depiction of an abortion. It's animated uh, in this video, the procedure, which is an entire story of an uh, ultrasound tech who was uh, involved in an abortion and quit his job over it. And so here are my takeaways. Number one, I support any kind of exposure of abortion, any type whatsoever, doesn't matter, whether it's animated, whether it's a cartoon, or whether it's a graphic video. I would say this, though, if we're going to use animation or cartoons as an, a replacement for the actual images and footage of abortion, then that is not something I support. I think Americans need to see abortion for real. Uh, unvarnished truth of abortion, either using pictures or video, that has to be done in the public square because most social media platforms will not uh, post allow folks like myself to post that kind of information. But the American people need to see abortion to reject abortion. It doesn't mean we can't do animation. I think live action does a really good job of that. More clinical depictions of abortion. And that's important for sure. But it can never be a replacement for the truth of abortion using graphic pictures and video depicting abortion as it is. And so the other thing I would say is that our detractors will say that this stuff is just made up. It's fake. You know, we hear that even with abortion pictures and video. They'll say that it's photoshopped. These aren't real depictions of abortion. These aren't real images. And using animation plays into that a little bit. It still can have a place. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the real truth. It's not the actual truth. And so we got to do both. Animation's fine to make our case, obviously, because it may go places that real pictures and video of abortion, authentic pictures and a video of abortion will not go uh, because it will be banned. And that's a reason to do this. So I support this video, this movie, The Procedure, and you can go see it, the entire video, by going to choicefor2.com. That's choicefor2.com. I, I exhort you to share it. 
uh, on your social media and get the word out that abortion is an act of violence that kills a baby, whether it's depicted using animation or real pictures and video like we use here at Created Equal. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.